Thank you. That's um, I um, and all of you as well. When Liam asked me to preach, I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I kind of knew it was coming. He'd hinted at it, but he sent me a text. And, um, and I... I said yes, because we are trying to create a culture where we learn to take risks in a safe environment and we test our gifts. And, we, and if I'm asking my kids' leaders and my kids to do that, then I'm like, oh, I have to say yes, right? <laughs> you gotta, you got to stretch yourself a little bit. So um, it's exciting to, to think about church, right? Like, man, what a year we've had. So many of you, I don't know you personally, and that's like really exciting because you've come um, and you're, you're like, you're here. And there's so many now that I'm like, oh my goodness, I just want to know all of you, but I can't. Um, as I thought about what to even share, Liam was just like, just do you. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> as, as I thought about what do I share, it forced me to ask some really good questions. Um, it forced me to ask the question of, why do I come and sit and listen to someone for an hour? <laughs> why, why do I come to church and, and, and like, what do I hope to get? What, what is the point of this? I mean, yes, we have worship. I mean, I love worship. Worship is like, that's the reason I come to church as well. Um, but, but we sit here, and you all listen so beautifully, and I hope you are engaged, but why? Um, and, and that forced me to, to ask the question of, <clears throat> am I coming for something or for someone? And I, I really felt like God laid it on my heart to talk about intimacy with God. Um, and and the, the power that comes with that. But before I get too carried away, can we just pray and ask God to, to come into this space? Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just thank you for, we thank you for who you are in us and in this world. We pray that today your spirit would ignite in us a passion for your presence we thank you that we can fix our eyes on you. We thank you that you are here, you are with us. And God, I just pray that we would go after more of your, of your presence and of connection with you, God. Just convict our hearts and, and, and may we just desire to burn brighter and, and more on fire for you today, Jesus. Amen. I decided to look up the word intimacy because I think intimacy is a word, but it also can be an emotion and a reaction. Like when you think, at least for me, when I think of the word intimacy, it, it for me, it brings a nice feeling. I, I think of brushing up alongside my mom and dad when we're, when we're doing stuff that's just this unspoken communication of this connection together. Um, obviously, intimacy is something that happens in marriage, but it's so much more than just that intimate act as well. Um, so in the dictionary, it says intimacy is a close and familiar feeling. It is usually affectionate or loving, personal relationship with a person or a group as well. You think about building intimacy with someone, and you might think about 
I, I don't know what you think about. And I, I think I'd like to challenge you to ask yourself, what do I think about when I think of intimacy with God? And if you don't know, a great place to start is what do I think about intimacy with someone else? Even if like friends, family, things like that. Because that mirror that, or that lens that we look through our intimacy with others is how we often project onto God our intimacy with him, which in some ways is good and in other ways can be unhealthy as well. I was blessed to grow up in a family that did family well and that did, um, we, were, we were healthy. I mean, we weren't perfect, but, but we did life together and um, my parents were really intentional about raising me in the Lord and I'm really grateful for that. And so when I think of intimacy, I think of those positive things. But intimacy also isn't something, right? Like intimacy isn't, sorry, let me start over. Intimacy isn't like disagreement or hate or enmity, this word that, that I'm like, that's a cool word, but like, what does it mean? Just this, oh, this angst, right? Um, and more importantly, intimacy isn't ignorance. I think when I, uh, that, that one hit me when I thought about intimacy with God isn't ignorance. I think sometimes when I think about like all the stuff that's in this book, there's a lot of stuff. People have a lot of opinions. <laughs> People have a lot of opinions about what is in this book. And sometimes I just go, well, I don't know. So it doesn't matter. And I'll just move on. Like it doesn't matter to God. It doesn't, you know, all this stuff. And, and like, it just doesn't matter. Childlike faith is a beautiful thing. Kids ministry, yay. <laughs> um, and, and yet, being ignorant of another person means that I can't truly be intimate with them. And so, being brave enough to delve into the heart of God in ways that are kind of either offensive or, or just out there is me braving going into an intimate place with the, with the Lord. Um, sorry, I just want to get one page in the right spot before I keep going because notes are great. <laughs> um, I think when you're sitting in a room full of people who are quite, like I, I'm looking out at a lot of you and, and I know that you have authentic, genuine relationship with the Lord. You, most of you have probably walked with the Lord longer well, not most, but some of you have walked with the Lord longer than I have been alive. Um, <laughs> like, some of you, like, why, why am I, like, what, what, can I, what can I bring here in this moment that you haven't heard already? Probably, probably not much. But I hope that we can have a bit of a spark or, or, or just, that just you would just ask the Holy Spirit to highlight to you what from today is going to be your, your step forward into deeper intimacy with God. Because you guys are getting married, you guys are getting married. I'm sure you've had lots of counsel as to like how to make this thing work, what not to do, what to do. But no one can tell you how to love your wife. Like no one can actually tell you how to do that. I can't tell you how to love God more. I, I, can't, I can't tell you how to really grow deeper in intimacy with him, with my experience, because my experience isn't your experience. And, and I wish it was that simple. I think in an, age of, in an age of technology, like, 
I'm guilty of this. I want an answer now. Like, I can Google it. Hey, Siri, um, are you listening? And, and yet, it's going to take time for you to learn to love your wife and your husband and vice versa and everyone. And, like, and then you go and you change. How dare we change? <laughs> and you still have to learn how to love your wife and your husband, and it's this constant thing. So I think what God loves most is when we earnestly seek him. I just want to read this psalm. Psalm 63, 1, it says, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, and my whole being longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. This, this, this burning, this yearning, this desire, that is the only thing that gets us further and deeper into intimacy with God. And the intimacy with God is what fuels our supernatural body that operates in the spirit. If you don't have intimacy with God, like, there is no way for you to even know that you have the power and the authority to work in the ways that you can work in. Like, in Kidsman, last week we were talking about this, like, what do I do when I feel like my, my natural is, like, my natural is here, right? But I want the supernatural. And how do we go deeper into the supernatural? Well, we have to get closer to the one who is supernatural. I think I felt convicted by this idea that um, in the church, Liam loves to say this, not this church, right? Other churches, not, not here. This is for all your other Christian friends. But like, let's just, let's just, it's us too. <laughs> A lot of the times it is. Um, I really, I felt convicted by this picture that our Christian world, I myself at times as well, we are, we are Christians who are either anorexic or bulimic in our relationship with God. What do I mean by that? I don't want to diminish the fact that there are real problems, like that's a real condition for someone. But this picture of we just, either we're anorexic and we starve ourselves from God and we're going to wither away from nothing, or we're bulimic, which is, which is great because we're feasting on the Lord on Sunday or we're coming, to, we're coming to things and we're feasting on the Lord, we're gorging on him and it's delicious. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. But the health of that person is just as detrimental as the, as the person who is starving themselves. And they've lulled themselves into thinking, well, I'm not actually harming myself because I'm I'm feasting on the Lord. I'm I'm coming to church to get this, or or I'm I'm only like I'm. There's this there's this mentality from myself as well that like, oh, if I just make it to Sunday, then I'll have I'll have this time with God, and I can kind of reset and and oh, praise the Lord. I mean, it is it is a beautiful thing to come together in family and to connect and, and have this internal reset that helps us through our week. I'm not, I'm not diminishing like church. Church is really important. That's why we're here. I have, I have a whole job here. <laughs> um, but if, if we don't come before the Lord, if we don't come before him in our own self first, this means nothing. The prophetic booths are great. But if you can't seek the Lord in your own time, why, why are you coming to us? Like, you have direct access. You have direct access to him. And I love it. And we are called to do it. 
but let's get let's do a fit check right like let's let's look at our bodies and go oh goodness oh no actually that doesn't feel quite right i think i need to address that i think i i think i need to feed my body properly i don't know if you are familiar with the term snowball effect but like in budgeting that's kind of this term where you start off with the tiniest debt that you owe, and you pay that off, because it feels great to pay off a debt. Re it feels really good, right? You got that out of the way. And then that excitement within you builds, and you can actually conquer the bigger and the bigger and the better, and it's just this amazing snowball effect. I think when it comes to intimacy, I just was like, how can we practically talk about this? We don't really talk about what we're doing in our intimate life, because it's intimate, right? Like this is about me and God and so I don't need to talk about it to anyone. But it is actually important for us to talk about this because I have a lot to learn from you <laughs> and, I, and I hope today that, that I can leave you with some, some gifts of, of what the Lord has worked through in me and then also in the Word. Um, if, we, if we look at... <coughs> typical, like thoughts around, what, what is my quiet time going to look like? Snor like, if you want to set the bar really high, you're like waking up at four o'clock in the morning to spend two hours with the Lord before your kids get up. And like, if you're anything like me, that'll go great for two days and then you'll crash and burn and you'll feel terrible because you're like, man, I'm not doing it. And then you get into this guilt and shame thing and it's just not beneficial. Like God, God doesn't care about the details of it. Which sometimes means in this kind of conversation, we don't talk about the details because we're afraid that that will come across as legalistic, as a formula, which is not what we want to give you. Um, but it can actually be really practical. Like the Bible talks so much about the stillness of the morning. Like coming away with the Lord in the morning. Like we don't want to make it legalistic, but it's a beautiful thing if you can come away in the morning and start your day with the Lord. Like let's not be ashamed to say, get in your word in the morning. Like even if you don't feel like it. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry. Um, we'll come back to that another time. Oh, intimacy is vulnerable. I've had that thought multiple times in the past six months of I'm like, oh, Jesus, I asked for this. <laughs> but, but it hurts sometimes, right? Or, or it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable sometimes. And we have to be vulnerable enough to admit that we've built walls around ourselves and to allow God to rebuild those. And like, he just kind of gets the ultimate key, right? Like he, he makes a door and he, he's the one that gets to come into that space with us. Because I get it, like not everyone has positive feelings or emotions when they think about intimacy. Unfortunately, in this world, that, that value of God, of the kingdom, has been perverted. And, and we have to trust that when we go into that feeling, that emotion, that action again, that we're not going to have the same outcome as when we did in the natural. And, and it takes bravery. <laughs> but, but that earnest seeking of the Lord is what he just delights in that, in you. Because he knows it's uncomfortable. I mean, he made us. <laughs> he made us the way we are. And, and he's ready to do that with you. He doesn't expect that it's going to be easy.
And I think we put too much on ourselves to just think that it's going to be this thing that we want all the time and we're just never going to have to fight for it. But yeah, I've just been trying to learn more about how to fight for intimacy because I think sometimes in our mind, like, who do we think of when we think of someone who's intimate with God? I think of like Moses, right? Like he got to see God in a burning bush. Like that's pretty radical. That's pretty cool. That's pretty intimate. We tend to think of of intimacy with God as these massive explosions of, of, of amazing like glory shining from the sun and then shining on our face and it's like all this, oh, it's just so good. But did you know you can have an intimate moment with God like when you're washing the dishes or making dinner with your, with your family? Like you're, you're a mom, you're a husband, you're a daughter. Like you got things you have to do in the natural, right? Like you can't just be lazy and go, oh, whatever, we'll just have peanut butter and jelly for dinner or whatever. I mean, you can't totally do that. Um, but <laughs> wheat bix, right? <laughs> um, but like these things have to happen. And that's a beautiful part about life and family, right? Because the friends that I am closest with the most are the friends that I'm okay with them seeing me do that weird stuff, right? You have a friend come to your house that you don't actually know, and you're like, oh, we gotta have everything perfect, and then it's like, what do we talk about? And, and it's not that intimate connection of like everyday moments. Um, I think, um, I think I, I wish that, I wish that everyday moments got more credit because we have 365 days in a year and like there's a lot of really cool things that happen in family, right? Whether you're single or, or married or you're a teen, you're a kid in this room or whoever you are, like there's a lot of just average stuff that happens. But just because your family does average stuff together doesn't diminish the power of your family. And just because we do average stuff with God doesn't diminish our connection or our, our brushing up with him. And um, one thought I just, before we, before we make this official and get more into the word, um, I just want to, I, I was really confronted with this thought of hunger, hunger for the Lord, and this idea that when we, when we're in the natural and we're hungry, have you ever gone to like Christmas and you know, you know you're going to have morning with this family and then in the evening you're going with this other family and it'll be the same exact thing but it's like this family's over here and then this family's over here you go to their lunch and you are so hungry because you didn't eat breakfast because you want to eat all the yummy things and you go and you eat you eat for all the things I don't I can't think of Christmas things but all the Christmas things and then you're there you're visiting and you were so hungry then but then you get to four o'clock in the afternoon, you go to the next party, and you are like, you loved the Christmas things here, but now you're just like looking at that plate of ham going, oh my goodness, I'm going to throw up. Like, I'm just so full. I'm not hungry anymore. And that, that hunger is something we actually have to protect because we can so easily, so, so easily satiate ourselves with so much. This week, I like... The media this week for me was really weighty and heavy, right? Like that, huh. <laughs> um, and, and I found myself like to the quota of my, in, like what I was gonna ingest for the week because I had filled it with other things and 
and I hadn't left room for even a hunger or a desire for what I know is good and delicious and I usually love, but I was kind of numbing it with this, I mean, we had a bomb go off, right? Like there's a lot of stuff that happens and I'm not saying social media is wrong, but we have to protect our hunger for what is good because we all know that it's really easy to fill up on ice cream and McDonald's and all these things, but it's not actually gonna build strong bones in our, in our families. I want to look at a few people in the Bible who are intimate with God, if that's all right with you. I think we all think about Adam and Eve, right? That's the first people that come to my mind when I think of, when I think of people who are intimate with God. And man, I just wish I could have been there. Like, especially when Adam was still asleep and Eve had been made. Like, what did they do? What did they talk about? What did, did they go for a walk? Like, was it over and done with? I don't know. I'm just speculating. But like... They had this time to be with the Lord with nothing in between them. And there's this beautiful wisdom and insight that came to them because of that. Unfortunately, we know that that was broken. But God didn't withhold his intimacy from them when they sinned in the garden in that moment. Like, he came to them. He called them out of the bush. They're the ones that put them, hid themselves. He, he was stepping in and pressing into conflict he already knew what happened, but it was just, it's just a beautiful moment of intimacy in those two people, Adam and Eve. Another person, like we said earlier, is Moses. You can turn to Exodus 33 if you would like to. Moses is pretty radical. If you know, oh, I don't even have to read it now. <laughs> Um, uh, if you don't know much about what's happening in the story up to this, I'll catch you up really quickly. Moses had gone up into Mount Sinai and he met with the Lord and he got the Ten Commandments. And then, wait, where am I here? Hold on one second. Yep. And then he came back down and the Israelites had made the golden calf and they were worshiping it and Moses just like, what the heck? We just like, I just had this radical encounter with God. We made these two covenants together. We brought it down. Moses is just so overcome with his disgust that he throws the covenant on the ground. He throws it on the ground, gets like, is ready to get rid of it. Just like, well, that's it. We tried and now we already failed. And, um, and yet the Lord calls him back up and they, he goes back up the mountain. Um, and the covenant is renewed. And in this renewal of the covenant, the glory of the Lord comes down and, and rests on Moses. And this, this shouldn't happen. Like, um, and Moses is asking, how is it even going to happen? And like, how am I going to survive? And, and, Mo and God tells Moses exactly how he's going to protect him. He hides him in the cleft of the rock. He passes by him, like that powerful hymn. He hideth my life in the cleft of the rock. Um, but when he comes down, there's something different about him. And like he's glowing and he's radiating. And, and there's this beautiful picture that all, like all these people are just looking at him like, what happened? Why, why is he like that? His face was shining so much that he had to veil his face. And the intimacy that like, I just... 
it is, be, it is before his time, like this story happened way before its time in the sense that this shouldn't have happened, so to speak, because of the covenant that he was under and because of the, the physical separation that they had to have between God and themselves and the priests and the sacrifices and the, all of those sort, sorts of things. I can't find the exact verse I wanted to read, but that's okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. I think verse 34, Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him. And, and he actually got to speak with the Lord. But he had to go in to do that. He had to actually go into the, into the tabernacle to speak with the Lord. I think sometimes we forget that a relationship is two ways. <laughs> um, praise the Lord, we don't have to go into a, a, a physical place to meet with the Lord. But we do have to get there in our mind. I, I know for me, like, my mind is, I'm not, like, I'm not even married. I don't even have kids begging at my mind space. And my mind space fills up quite quickly if you think about, you can listen to podcasts whenever you want. You can listen to music whenever you want. You, you, can, you can go from dawn till dusk, always inputting, always consuming. But you actually have to make, Men, even, if it's, even if you have physical time, you have to make mental time to actually go into a place to speak with the Lord yourself. I love listening to good sermons. I love listening to worship music even. But sometimes there's so much input that we don't make time to stop and to go in and to press into that place where we can actually speak with the Lord and that he'll have dialogue with us. Because the word of the Lord is powerful it's a double-edged sword. But unless we're actually taking time to listen, we're going to get pretty blunt. And not in a, I mean, maybe you'll get blunt as well, but um, <laughs> get pretty dull in many ways. Because I want to I have the glory of the Lord shining on my face. Like Dean says it, you know, are you a Christian? You should look like it. Like you, you should, I get it. You're all listening to me. You have serious faces on. <laughs> Some of you are smiling, but um, we got we to gotta actually go press into him and to receive this, this powerful gift. I think, um, I think when we think about, when we think about relationships, when we think about relationships with other people, there's always give and take, right? But when we think about our relationship with God, we're, 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 in a church that has swung away from legalism and religion, which is really good, <laughs> right? We don't want to be coming in here, reciting things just to recite them, saying things, just reading this just to read it and check it off our book. But we don't want to swing so far that way that we don't acknowledge the fact that, that we actually have to press into the Lord to participate with him. And that like depth comes with that. 
And I'm not saying that you're higher or lower than this person over here because you spend X amount of time in intimacy with the Lord. But you got to get creative in your life, in your circumstances of how to foster and to protect the hunger of the Lord in your life. I can't tell you what it is. The Spirit has to, the Spirit has to. And, and so you actually have to take time to ask, oh God, what, it, what am I doing that is numbing my effect and my hunger? Because I hope everyone in here is like, yes, Lord, give me more. Like, I'm pretty sure most of you would say that. But like, nitty gritty, what do I do, God? What do you want me to do? Because two hours in the morning might be someone. It might be. An hour in the afternoon, uh, uh, committing to driving to, s to pick up the kids from school in silence so that you can just pray and intercede or just rest with the Lord. You know, I love quality time. That's definitely one of my love languages. And, like, I don't actually have to say, like, we don't have to say anything. We can just go shopping together or we can just go for a like, we don't have to say anything. That's totally fine. And I, and I can feel close to you and I feel connected and that builds our intimacy and our trust. Because your intimacy can only take you as far as your trust has been built with that other person. You can't get more intimate with someone than the level of trust you have with them. And it actually takes a lot of trust, aka faith, to do the things that God tells you to do and to, and to show up in the way that he's asked you to show up. Like the vulnerability of that is huge. And that's okay. It takes time. Time is okay. We don't need to be afraid of we don't need to be afraid of it feeling like it takes a while. I think another person that I think of as being really intimate with with the Lord is Mary, his mother. In John 2 there's this awesome um, moment <laughs> when like when they're at this wedding and Jesus is not ready to begin miracles, right? He is not ready yet. That's not what he's here to do yet. And his mom comes and just goes Hey, son, like, she, she didn't actually, she just said, she, all she said, I believe, was that, you know, we're running out of, we're running out of wine. Did she tap him on the arm? Did she give him that look? Mums all have the look, so I don't know. I don't know what she did, but he went, oh, this wasn't my plan. This wasn't how this was supposed to go, but I'm going to show up in this way. Because, one, that honored and respected his mother, which we all know is a big deal to God and to Jesus, to honor and respect. Um, it's just this, this fun little moment. And then, when it comes to the disciples, I always, as a kid, I was always like, oh my goodness, what would it have been like to be a disciple? What would it have been like to actually walk and talk and, and eat lunch and get blisters while you're walking on the road with God. Um, and, and yet, I was always puzzled. Like, I, I would hear my dad say to me as a kid, a teenager who wanted friends. <laughs> um, didn't always have a lot of friends. Um, I would hear my dad say, look at Jesus. He had 12 disciples, but he only had three he was close to, and he had John, who he was the most close to. Now, in my mind, at that point, I was like, why would Jesus, like, only be special and close to those three? Like, that seems kind of withholding his affection and his, gl his glory and his, his beautiful nature from these 
all these other 12, and then as time went on, it built into more people. But as I look at it now, the many are called but few are chosen idea of everyone gets an invitation, but not everyone chooses to come. And then I choose to bless you in my wedding or whatever because you came. And, and, and if you look at Peter, James, and John on, all, on some different accounts in the Bible, there's different ways in which they connected with Jesus, um, which I think is the evidence of their intimacy with him and is the evidence of, of Jesus then drawing them into that inner moment where he really shows his heart. Because it's hard to show your heart. And, and, and you only want to show your heart to the people that you know are, are going to respect it. And I think, I want to know that I can show my heart to God. And, and it takes vulnerability, but that's okay. I'm just going to keep saying that because I need to hear it. <laughs> um, one moment that they got to go into the inner room was in Luke chapter 8. Verse 51, was right after the woman with the issue of blood had touched Jesus's seat seats and was healed instantly. And they're on the way to Jairus, Jairus's daughter's house. Um, and she had died. And there's this massive crowd, like just before that, right? They're like pummeling into Jesus. Like there's so many people. And I don't know, maybe Jesus was an introvert. He was like, let's just... I can't have all these people, right? I don't, I don't know why he said that. But he, brought, he draw, drew up only um, Peter, James, and John, 51. And, and there, was, there was weeping and there was mourning in that house. I think part of it, too, was Jesus was protecting that family. Like, their daughter just died. And, and in that moment, they got to witness Jesus raising someone from the dead. Now, this had happened before. It wasn't some brand new secret special thing. It had happened not that long ago on, on the road. They had, they had, Jesus had risen someone from the dead. English. <laughs> um, but this moment of drawing in, they didn't, it doesn't say that they did anything. They didn't ask to be taken in. They didn't push their way in. Jesus just called them out and brought them in. Um, and I think it was, it was beautiful that they got to witness the gentleness of the Lord towards this family and towards this little girl. Um, another moment of this drawing away is in um, Matthew 17, where they're on the mount and or they haven't gone up on the mount yet, but Peter, James, and John and his brother led them high up on the mountain by themselves. And Jesus was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. What? Like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> I thought, like, his face and his whole body transformed into presumably what he's like in heaven. Like, he was no longer in human form. He was now as he is with God. And he, he had this wild, radical encounter with these three guys. And they originally, if you skip down a little bit, they're like, oh my goodness. The, the other people showed up and we got to make this a special thing. They tried to formulize it and make it 
make it into something more. And, and Jesus, Jesus was like, no, no, <laughs> it's okay. One, they, they fell down on their faces when they saw um, Moses and Elijah. And, um, and Jesus had to reassure them that it's going to be okay. And they had to trust in his voice. They had to trust in the fact that even though he had, I don't know, super affected into this shining beam of glory, then he came back to them and he was doing living life again with them for quite a while. Um, another part of um, being intimate with someone is asking them questions. And like, be, you, you can't be intimate with someone you aren't willing to challenge and to ask questions of. I don't know, I don't know who you, in your life that you're picturing when I say you're intimate with someone. For me, it's my family and this other family that's like my family, whether it's your wife or your anybody. You have had to go to hard places with that person in conversation and in dialogue. And it doesn't make you love them any less. But I think I, I like to protect the idea that I disagree with anything that God does. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, everything's fine, God. Like, that's fine. Um, and not talk about it. But that actually builds disunity in, in relationships. And then also in my relationship with God, if I'm keeping that from him, we all know he already knows, but it builds this false, this false wall of everything's okay. <laughs> and, and like in, um, we, you don't have to go there, but in Mark 13, um, Peter, James, and John are like, sitting by themselves privately talking and question and like and they just ask God this question or Jesus this question and it's it's kind of a bold question because he's they're asking tell us when these things will be and what the sign will be when all of these things are about to be accomplished in their minds this is a big deal that Jesus has come he's come to rescue Israel and like all this stuff I don't know if they're still thinking that or if they've caught on to the idea that Jesus is a little bit different than what we thought he was going to be when he came. But they're like, come on, when is this going to happen? When is this, like, why aren't you getting in there with the sword and taking back from the Romans and all this stuff? Like, there are things in our world that are unjust. There are things in our, in our lives, even in churches, like opinions. You know, there's things that we don't understand fully, and it's okay to take that question, that doubt, that, that ugh, to God, because he'd much rather you just sit in the moment with him and talk about it than cover it up and, and keep it hidden. We're all kind of like, we're all kind of like icebergs. <laughs> not, um, not that sunk the Titanic, but, um, <laughs> but icebergs are pretty epic and beautiful to look at, right? And up here we've got all this stuff, but then underneath is like this huge thing that I don't even know how big it is because I didn't look it up. Um, but it, surely it has to be more than double, triple the size of what's on top. And, and here at church, we're experiencing things like prophecy and healing and, and, and marriages being restored and like amazing things happening, right? Worship is powerful. You can feel the presence of the Lord. And that's all the up here stuff of this, this iceberg. But if an iceberg doesn't have the depth of everything else, it's just gonna fall over and tip into the water and you're not gonna see anything. And I think what 
what we talk about as a team and like the guys that come to prayer and all this stuff, we're just like, guys, we gotta, we gotta do something with what the Lord is doing here in our midst. Because the iceberg up here, it can get affected by the wind, by the rain, by the, by the weather. Like it can shrink and it can grow and it can come and go in all these seasons and changes and stuff, which is amazing, right? Like we've seen that in history and we know what builds the iceberg. We know what builds faith. We know what... But unless it has the foundation of, of intimacy with the Lord, of quiet time, of knowing his word, we're going to flop. And I don't want to see that happen. Like, I, I know that a lot of you have come through different churches again and again, and, and like there's pain there, and, and it breaks my heart. But I think sometimes, whether it's the church or whether it's yourself, I can't answer that question, and I don't mean to sound harsh. <laughs> But like sometimes the thing up here looks great and that's why we're there and we're just coasting along on this iceberg on the back of other people's depth. And, and then it changes because the spirit of the Lord, he moves and changes in mysterious ways and like things happen at some times and then they don't at other times and he's still the same but the, but the outcome's different. And, and we have to have that belly, like the belly of the beast inside us has to be so solidified, so strong, so icy that nothing can touch it. And I, and I just, I really hope that, like, I really hope that in our struggle, and I'm saying this as much for me as for anyone else, in our struggle of coming out of religion or legalism or a place we got hurt, or the world. Like, if you've just become a believer and you have no idea what I'm talking about, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, we can't, we, <laughs> sorry, we, we, we can't label, we can't label being in the word as a workspace faith. Like, yes, some people make mistakes and they do that, they check the box. But we got to get in the word. We have to get before the Lord on our, on our faces and seek his face in our private time before we even think about coming to something like this and doing that. Like, still come. Please come. But, but don't ride off the back of, of, of what, what's being built here because it won't sustain you. Like, I will fail you. <laughs> I'm, I, I will. I'm sure. This morning, my beautiful team out there, I, I messed something up. And... and um, <laughs> And, and they're doing it. They're doing a great job. Like, we're going we're gonna to fail, but, but if you have that depth with the Lord, that is what's going to sustain you. Um, I think some of, my favorite, some of my favorite ways to get alone with the Lord is in quiet. I'm not saying you can't listen to worship music or something, but so many times in the Word it says, be still. Be still by the quiet waters. Rest. And like, we got to work out how to do that. It can be very simple or it can be very complex. You can go on a nature hike up in the Dandenongs or you can sit in the laundry room and close the door because you can't find anywhere else to get a learn from your kids or your anything. Like, let's not overcomplicate it because God just desires that our hunger would be built. That we, would, that we would develop our palate and our appetite to desire him more, to press in and to, to go to places and to try new things with him that, 
that we haven't done before. Like, I can't convince you how delicious something is if you've never had it. I can't. I can try. Marketing's really good, right? We're in a world where marketing is amazing, and there's AI stuff, and there's virtual things, but there is just nothing like the actual thing. It's, it's, so, it's so simple. Like, I think when I was thinking about what to say this morning and how to stir you on, I was like, I gotta have this, this thing, right? Like, and it's gotta be, it's gotta be sharp and concise, and because I ramble, that's one thing I do. Um, but the spirit of the Lord isn't complex. The spirit of the Lord is simple. And it's okay if it's awkward. It's okay if you go and you sit alone and you're like, oh my goodness, my mind won't shut off. I can't, I can't get it to shut off. Have a piece of paper next to you that you can just jot down the million things that come to you that, that are your responsibility and you should be responsible in your life. But because God promises us that when we seek him, we will find him. And when we come to him with a humble and contrite spirit like he pulls, he, he desires us. He made us first. Like, like he was made for us as well. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, he asked his disciples to come with him, to pray for him. Did he need that? I, they failed him three times. Three times he came out and said, oh, wake up, I need you to pray for me. Jesus was asking them to come with him, to, to do life with him. And was that for them or was that for him? I think one of the, one of the most convicting verses I came across when I was sitting with the Lord about this morning was Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Matthew 7, 21 to 23, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does will be the, does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons and do mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them that I never knew them. And he'll tell us to depart, like, Casting out demons is a pretty, like, you got to be on it, right? It's not an easy thing to do. You got to, prophesying is not an easy thing to do. But all Jesus said him and his father cares about is if he knew us and if, and if he had relationship with us. And I don't know where you are at on the spectrum of your, if you were to rate your intimacy with the Lord. I, it doesn't actually matter to me. It doesn't matter to the person sitting next to you. Because you're, you're like in that area, you're on your own. Like a lot of this life we do together, but like we, we cannot, we, we cannot um, coast along on someone else's. And we, and like, if you're trying to be that for someone else, I'd ask you to check your heart because you can't either be that for someone else. I know I have to, I have like, they have to have that relationship with God, not me. Um, on the spectrum of intimacy with God, maybe, maybe you're in a season of like 
incredible wrestling with God, like asking the hard questions. There are, there are a lot of intellectual people in this room that a lot of you think deep thoughts. You have deep questions. Make that your intimate time with God. Don't keep him separate from that. Make that your time. Maybe you are feeling like you just need to come and put your arm on Jesus. Like maybe you're just a, I just need that contact. I don't need to say anything. You don't even need to say anything. Like nothing needs to happen. We just need to sit together and be together. And that's where you're at. Or maybe you really just need to pour out your heart before the Lord and then sit and listen and, and wait for his response. I don't, I don't know. And I, and I hope that this morning you can ask yourself two questions. What are you doing to protect your appetite? What is, what is making you not as hungry as you used to be? We are what we eat, right? Quite physically in the, in the natural world. And we are what we eat in the spiritual world as well. So what are you doing to protect your appetite? And then are you as close to God as you want to be? I don't, I, I hope we never say yes to that question until we meet, meet Jesus in heaven. But like, are you in a place that you feel like the Lord has called you to and are you comfortable with him in that space? Are you listening to his voice and being obedient in that area of, of your life. There's this beautiful song that, um, that is written by Jonathan and Melissa Helzer that talks about intimacy with God and how we're created, like uh, what our hands were created to be with him, what our voice was created to be with him. And I think, I think it's important for us to look at ourselves as the clay in the potter's hand. We get so caught up in what we're doing, whether it be ministry or work or anything, but what were we created to be first with Adam and Eve? And um, this morning, I wanted to create space for people who are on any edge of the spectrum, whether you're one way or the other, whether you're part of the team here, whether you're part of, whether this is your first time coming to this church. I wanted you to have a moment, because I know schedules are real. <laughs> I just wanted you to have a moment of, of being alone with the Lord. I don't know if we have a prayer team this morning, but we do, okay? Um, this morning I thought I would really love to keep this half of the room, as in, sorry, not you personally, I just mean this area over here, for people who they need to physically change your, you need to change your posture and get postured before the Lord. Because like when we posture ourselves before the Lord, it, it can help. Like our bodies are amazing things. And we, when we change our body position, like kind of wakes us up a little bit. Maybe some of you are getting tired. So if you don't, if you don't want anyone to pray for you, you just need to be alone with the Lord and you wanted to have a bit more space than what is in your aisle. This side is gonna be for you guys. But if you did want to have some time with the Lord and also you wanted someone to intercede with you on behalf of your own, your own climate, like where are you in, in, your, in your spectrum with the Lord and just 
to pray with you because sometimes it can feel hard to even know where to begin. And we, and we would love to pray for you in that way. So if you would like that kind of interaction, you can come along this part of the, part of the room over here. Um, because I think when we cry out to him, I don't think I know. <laughs> when we cry out to him, he, he answers us. And, um, and it's, a, it's a beautiful moment. You've already rostered your time off to be here. So make the most of it. I'm actually, I'm going to get him to play the song. That's good. I'm going to get him to play. Um, like, your time's already here. If you do have kids, get them eventually. Um, <laughs> maybe like 12, 15 or something. But um, we're going to play this song by Jonathan and Melissa Helser. And, and I, if you're in a mindset of you don't know what to pray, you don't know, listen to the words and speak them over yourself. Um, it's okay to not know what to pray. It's okay to stay in your seat, but I would ask for you not to disengage. I would ask for you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what of this is for me? I've walked with you a long time, and where can I go that's more? So I'm just going to pray, and um, if you want to move, then you can move. If you want to stay, you can stay. If you want to stand, you can stand. Father God, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for this beautiful relationship that we get to have with you. We thank you for your power, God. We thank you that you come near to us, that you purify our hearts, and that you delight in the moments you spend with us, whether they're big burning bush moments or washing the dishes moments, God. We just, we just want to be near you. Thank you that you made life messy. Thank you that you made physical relationships that we can learn about our relationship with you, God. I just pray that we would break off any presumptions of what it means to be intimate with you. God, would you change our lens? Would you focus our attention on the truth, God, highlighted in our minds? Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. We thank you. Amen.